We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping. And the vision that was planted in my brain still remains within the sound of silence. Welcome to the Lot of Dudes podcast, presented by Fourth and Dude. Brought to you by Boston College 24-7 and Armchair All-Americans, Season 3, Week 4. The Maroon and Gold were more like the Maroon and Exposed on Friday night, as the Eagles got their doors blown off by Les Miles and the Jayhawks by a score of 48-24. BC's defense got shredded like dust in the wind, as Kansas carried on my wayward son at will all night, en route to their first Power 5 road win since 2008. On today's episode... We'll recap one of the most embarrassing losses in BC history, head into the courtroom for a special Our Matt and I Frauds edition of Duteous Corpus, and preview what has turned into an absolute must-win versus Rutgers in Piscataway on Saturday. Matt, we are a full four days from the Bleeding Kansas Massacre recording this on Tuesday night, and I'm still catatonic after you know what we witnessed. It's my hope that talking it out for the next hour will be therapeutic, not only for you and I, but for our listeners as well, so... I'm going to quote Michael Scott here, and all we can do right now is put on a brave face. Uh, before we get into everything that went wrong last Friday night, first, a word from our friends at my bookie. Were you the one guy out of a million that predicted we lose to the Jayhawks on Friday? Do you have any idea what the money line would have paid out on that bet? Stop just talking about your predictions. It's time to get in on the action. That's why you got to go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. They include all kinds of props, live betting, parlays, futures, you name it. No matter your style, the football season is the best time of the year to bet, period. So you don't want to miss out on the action. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Matt, I don't know that it would have provided any solace, but I cannot imagine the action we would have gotten on an adjusted line for Kansas minus 23 and a half. Like, legitimately might have been a 10,000 to 1 payout because no one on planet Earth was crazy enough to foresee just how bad Friday night I was thinking about that. I was I was just thinking about that. I I not to brag here, but I uh I I shimmied up the line to the Browns Jets game last night to 19 and a half and you'll note the Browns won by 20, so pretty impressive there by me. But yeah, if someone had taken the 21 point spread and put it on its head and went 24 the other way, I don't know. What is that? A dollar to win ten million? I, I, you're, I can't. You're I literally can't even guy. imagine. It's impossible. Yeah, it's an impossible number. So I mean, it, it, and it's one thing to lose, you know, a close game to a potentially up and coming Kansas team, or even like you know, you see teams go down to FCS opponents all the time, and it's it's not a huge deal, right? It, it, it happens. It's college football. But the way we lost, and to get dominated in every single phase of the game by a team that the previous week had lost twelve to seven to the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. It, you know, even for the the most staunchest DAS supporters, such as myself, uh, it's it's virtually impossible to defend a, a loss like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to get too far into the weeds right now, but I think that this to me is just further evidence of Adazio's ceiling. It doesn't mean he was the right guy or, or wasn't the right guy to get us back to a stable program. The recruiting is strong, and we're certainly better than where Spaz left us. But the one 
common denominator of really his first, you know, six, seven seasons is this one, you know, WTF loss that just comes out of nowhere. This one being the worst of his tenure by far, but, you know, that includes, um, you know, last year at Purdue, which certainly was more excusable on the road, a, a team that was better than their 0-2 record indicated. You know, you look at the 3-0 game against Wake, the Colorado State game, the year we beat USC, I think that was the same year, but it's a clear pattern of just one every year where the team does not get off the bus. And, I don't know what to explain. Like, I don't know how to explain it. The, the the good news of it is that it is nothing new to this locker room, apparently. And they always have one game where they don't get out of bed. So they will, you know, most likely bounce back and, and salvage or could salvage a decent year. But, you know, it's it's incredible that that we're, we're saying that we just lost to a Kansas team that hasn't won on the road at a Power 5 program since 2008 or road game period since 2010. Yet somehow this is not uncharted territory for BC fans of the last decade. We allowed we allowed them to score on seven straight possessions. Uh, that's unfathomable against Clemson. Forget about Kansas. Uh, and by the way, not seven straight possessions, but all like all over like 70 yards. R- right. Yeah, there was there was, you know, we didn't turn the ball over. That's and we'll, we'll, right. we'll get into the details here. But but no, I mean, and you, you talked about the Purdue game where, you know, by and large that was just a game where everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. It was on the road. We didn't get off the bus. We were reading our, our press clippings a little too much, I think. There was a lot of factors going into that game that it didn't make it excusable, and it was domination by Purdue. But this was domination in a different way. And, and you know, it was, it was lack of preparedness. You know, it was, it was defensively. We just didn't belong in the same field. It seemed like every single play, we had six guys, and they had 14 on the field. I've never seen a game... You know, dating back to, it was honestly like when we played Howard is the closest thing I, I can right. I can think of, um, which was obviously uh, you know that's not where we want to be at this point. And to to look like that against a team like Kansas, this could be a very long next ten games, and and we'll get into you know what this means going forward. But uh, tell you what, I think you and I predicted. You know, I know I know my pre- uh, prediction was thirty eight to three. That couldn't have been more wrong. And, it, and it's funny that we didn't even really talk about the Kansas offense last episode. They, they don't have it. one. Right. This was a team. Or they didn't. This was a team that, that scored seven points again on Coastal Carolina. We saw that. We said, all right, the quarterback threw for 100 yards against, against Coastal Carolina. They lost 12 to seven. This is not an offense that we have to worry about. And uh, we couldn't have been any more wrong than that. And so, so just to get into the game here, I mean, you guys all saw it, but um, it, was a, it was a shootout in the first half. And, and the first half... Well, not what we wanted to see. Um, it was at least somewhat, I don't want to say entertaining, but it was a good game. And it was it was two teams that were going back and forth. So we got off to that 10 nothing lead thanks to you know heavy dose of A.J. Dillon and then the pick by uh, by Medi Alatroc. They came back and, and scored pretty quickly after that. And we went back and forth, back and forth. You know, we were pretty run heavy. They were pretty run heavy. And um, it, it was it was two sides that were pretty much moving the football at will. And then just to fast forward here to the the play of the game that really was, you know, with the with what was it, forty seconds to go, Khalil Herbert, the the running back, just uh, and I don't know what our coverage was on that on that play there, Matt, but that was yeah. the most unforgivable defensive play I've ever seen in my entire life. Watching so this football. one, th- this one to me wasn't even like a game plan issue. So they call the run blitz, which. I'm not like a complete X's and O's football guy, but did my research on this play because I just couldn't get over it. They call a run blitz, which basically is, you know, you're pushing linebackers up and every single gap is covered. So they knew that Kansas was just going to run it into the line and go to the locker room down three, which is basically what their plan was. Somehow this guy breaks through a run blitz, which is virtually impossible. The bigger issue is that as he's 40 yards downfield, our defensive backs are still running downfield with the receiver. Like they didn't realize that it was a run and they were still two guys on the receiver down the near sideline. It was an inexcusable play, no matter how you look at it on, on, you know, all 11 guys on the field. And again, it's, it's, it speaks, you know, we knew this defense was going to be young and inexperienced and have problems. I think that we were trying to be optimistic on them, but this exposed everything from a talent issue to a coaching issue um, to a development issue and, and everything in between. I, I've never seen a defensive performance as bad as what we saw on Friday night. And I think that one play encapsulated all of it. You know, we tweeted that we, we, we do think with an embarrassing loss like this, some heads need to roll. I don't know how high it needs to go, but the bottom line is I don't know how Bill Sheridan is still in a job as of, as of today. Even if a midseason firing isn't going to really going to make a difference, we're not all of a sudden getting an injection of talent. 
clearly he's not doing anything of real value there and almost just for the fan service of of you know telling us that the admin doesn't expect or doesn't accept these pathetic results and these pathetic performances you know it's almost due to us to to you know give us a head on a platter somewhere yeah it's crazy that that just last week or 2 weeks ago after the Virginia Tech game you know i was calling bill sheridan an offensive mastermind you know so he 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 you know called a pretty perfect game plan against Virginia Tech, especially now considering the personnel that he had. But it's pretty clear that, you know, all that happened against Virginia Tech is we we had those five turnovers. And if you take those five turnovers away, this is what happens and we just get torched. So, you know, and a lot of naysayers said that. And I think we called them out as we, naysayers, we but we apparently did. they were right. Yeah. They were, you know, we said, oh, it's a great performance. They said, well, you had five interceptions. You still only won by three points. Like, you know, they're not wrong. Uh, and, and I think we're seeing it, you know, you look at the recruiting side of it. I know we've had the Sebastian brothers who I do think that there is some talent there, but we've got like five players on the defensive side of the field that were recruited to BC as quarterbacks. And we were just like, yeah, let's throw them out there and, and figure it out. So I don't know what we expect to happen. It's a recruiting issue. It's a development issue. And it just, it all came to a head. There's a reason Bill Sheridan has never stayed in a job for more than 12 months at a time. If you look at his Wikipedia, when we came on as a defensive coordinator, Giants fans were like, this is the worst thing that ever happened but you know i figured hey you know daz for the most part picks a good staff and again i don't want to blame just one guy because obviously there are so many more issues than just one single person in that locker room but i just I, i've never seen a performance that bad and i legit i can't get over it i can't get over a performance that bad to you know a less miles who again might be a fine game plan coach but talent wise those are not his players those are fcs level players for the most part i know they have a good running, running backs back. a four star but but still that's that's it right everyone else should not be a, a division one football player i i'm 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 absolutely at a loss, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, and their offensive line was was projected to be – they were awful last year. They gave up something like – I don't have the stat, but it was like 25 sacks in, in nine conference games. Like that was This was a really bad offensive line last year. And they did return, you know, most of the line, I think, but it was projected to be again, you know, one of the worst in the in the Big Twelve. And you saw what they did to our defensive line. I think t- to me, that's where the the problem begins is our inability to get any semblance of a pass rush. But not even that. It's it's really negative production because we're, we're allowing at least two linemen to get to the second level and then clog up our uh, our yep. linebackers. So in the way that, the, that Les Miles drew up the game plan was was you know pretty smart. He must have seen something on film the, the past couple of weeks by uh, by spreading out the offense and you know making it so that we only had one or two linebackers back there and then you know it was, it was you know and, and while Puka Williams and, and Herbert are, are stud running backs I think they could have put you or I out there with the size of those holes and we could the have, holes were amazing. we could have, yeah, we could have was... racked up 100 yards a piece I think the way it was going. So to me that's issue number 1. We can't compete against Kansas's offensive line. I don't know how we're going to do it against the rest of the ACC that should should be much better than that. I mean you look at yeah, you look at the ground game. I mean Wake has an amazing ground game right now. Clemson, we don't need to even talk about how good their running backs are. And the press comments afterward, Dadazio was like, "Yeah, the, Kansas has some of the best running backs and the best running game that we're going to see all year," which is just an absolute joke. And I know the ACC is is, you know, been pretty terrible so far this year, but to, you know, compare and put them on the same playing field is just out of this world. Yeah, and again, we we know we lost some of the best players in the ACC last year. We lost Zach Allen. We lost, we lost Wyatt Ray. You know, you talk about the secondary, obviously. Will Harris was huge. And, and then the linebackers, I'm not ready to pick on the linebackers just yet because I do think it was primarily a, a game plan issue. I guess we'll get to them in a, in a second because they, uh, they were awful. When, they were when awful we talk well. about tackling, they're very much uh, part of the problem. Yeah, they were, as they were well. horrendous. But, you know, Connor Strahan, so guys we, we even took for granted back there. Those guys are, are in the NFL now and um, we didn't see any growing pans against Virginia Tech. So you and I, you know, just just sort of assume that. All right, well, we'll pick up right where we left off. Bill Sheridan's a genius. We didn't need Camp Benelli. The whole Jim Reed, whatever happened with his demotion, whatever you want to call it, was the right move. These guys look great. We'll pick. You know, well, five turnovers every game, and and this defense is going to be electric. So uh, obviously, that's not the case. So I don't know where we we go from here. I guess just to finish out the the, the game summary. So it was it what uh, twenty eight to twenty four at halftime, Kansas. Yep. And then, yep. um, and we'll get into halftime adjustments or lack thereof uh, in my pood, Matt. But the second half was all Kansas, and, and whatever they did to defensively at halftime obviously stopped our running game. There were two, really two possessions where we went three and out that pretty much iced the game because our defense could not stop a nosebleed. And by the time that you know we got the ball again, it was a fourteen to seventeen point game, and there was no coming back from that. This team does not come back, so if we're down by multiple possessions, we're in trouble. We stopped even trying on the run game, and then Kansas was able to, to you know hang back in coverage, and and AB 
sort of reverted back into Jekyll, or is it Jekyll or Hyde? Is it? I'm not sure which one is whatever, bad, whatever yeah, the bad the, one. He was the horrible one, right? And so the rest was history after that. But to me, it was really lost with that with that last minute. I guess it's a combination of that last minute backbreaking run, the 82 yarder by Herbert, so that they got all the momentum going into halftime, and then. In the second half, it was just all Kansas. Yeah, and the problem to me, and I think it is because of a backbreaking way to go into half, but it did just seem like the guys quit, like on a body language side. No one was, you know, we expect, we, we, we talk all the time about Anthony Brown and A.J. Dillon being the leaders of this team, but we, at least on the, you know, video, weren't seeing guys going over and firing up the guys and trying to get everyone to rally behind it. It just seemed like horrible body language across the entire roster. Everyone seemed to give up, and that was reflective, you know, clearly in the play on the second half. I don't want to let the offense off the hook here. I know you touched on him briefly, but you know, and, and defensively, there is no excuse for giving up 48 points to Kansas. So let's be very clear. But there's also not a lot of excuses for giving up or for only scoring 24 points against um, Kansas as well. Anthony Brown took about 100 steps back. It was, I would say, his single worst game in a BC jersey by far. AJ looked great. No, in the that, first that half. wasn't worse than Purdue. I mean, he, had, he had a pretty. He had an okay first half. Uh, he missed his like first five throws. Uh, I was late getting in, inside, so <laughs> that's on me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, AJ finally looked good. Right? I mean, like I think it was his best first half performance we've seen so far. Kansas was having no issue, or, or Kansas was not doing anything to stop the run. And then I understand it's just because we go down a couple scores, but we completely abandoned the run in the second half, which made no sense to me. I think we ran it twelve times total in the in the second half, so didn't make a lot of sense there and just nothing went right. And again, it just to me seemed a lot like Syracuse last year where these guys just quit when when things went ahead of them. And I mean, same thing happened at Purdue as well. So that to me is the most disappointing part is not just how horrible we looked, but, you know, that there wasn't a fight. Again, you know, I, I, and we, we saw the tweets about how, you know, this is the first time Kansas has a win and, and whatever and all that. And that's true. And they're a terrible program and there's no question about that. And their talent is lacking. But they are going to be on the way up. Les Miles is a is you know ultimately a good game planner. I don't think he's a good in game manager, but he's a good game planner. We knew he was going to come out with with something. So I don't think it's as bad as losing to Kansas of last year, certainly. But the reality is that losing by twenty four to any low level power five team is is inexcusable. If this was a dog fight and a shootout and we lost forty eight to forty five, it would suck, obviously. But I could kind of live with it. I just I can't get over how terrible that was. And I think it legitimately was the worst loss in the Adazio era and probably the Spaz era as well. I'm putting that above Army. I'm definitely putting that above 3-0, which I saw a lot of people say is their choice. But we were a horrible team that year playing against an equally horrible team. Nothing like this. And again, on on national TV as one of the only games on on at the time, it was just completely embarrassing. And, and I, I'm, I'm literally at a loss for words. Like, I don't know what else I can say about this game because it was as bad as, as anything could have possibly gone. Yeah, uh, you touched on the offense. There was one drive in particular that was just gorgeous by BC. It was uh, it was ten plays, seventy three yards. It, it resulted in the uh, the Adrizi touchdown over the middle, but it was really set up by I think eight or nine or nine. It was ten plays. Eight of those were runs and or running back screens, and Kansas couldn't stop it. And then on the tenth play, yeah, look right down the middle. Corb Adrizi's wide open because there's eight in the box per usual. Once we do that, so I don't know why that wasn't the blueprint for the game. Adazio was asked, you know, what changed in the third quarter, and he really focused on the third quarter. And I sort of agree with him on this. He said by the time it was the fourth quarter, we had to, you know, go for it. It was, it was, a, it became a passing necessity at that point. But those two drives in the third quarter, where we went three and out. I mean, that those were obviously the dagger. But I don't know why we. I, I don't have the drives in front of me, but. If we abandoned the run, we probably shouldn't have done that. Um, I, I do recall uh, Tony throwing a couple, you know, bad incompletions. So again, I mean, we have AJ Dillon. Their defense sucks. We have David Bailey. We have the best offensive line, or we thought we did. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not picking on those guys. No, I think yeah, those I guys, those guys played fine. But again, I don't know why we're uh, why we're getting away from from the grounded pound against that front seven that was weak coming in. So agree with you on the offense. And and I guess one other thing in the in the press conference, and I don't want to get in the whole you know whose fault it is and accountability and all that. I'm sure you have that somewhere on your list. But Adazi was basically saying, yeah, I don't know why we, we got away from the run. You know, we, we shouldn't have done that. We should have kept at it right, in the right. third quarter. And Zero was, accountability. And I don't know, if he, right. I don't know if he was blaming Bajaki in or if he was just saying, hey, you know, I don't know why we did that. You know, we'll do something next time. But uh, that's just something I noted in the presser there. I, I think Bajakian's obviously calling the plays. We know that. But uh, it, it seems like an interesting way to, well, to voice your frustrations, you know, to the press. He, Hopefully that, that wasn't he, the case. He threw, 
Right, he was three, and, he, and 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 again on that running play like that we talked about, he threw kind of the entire defensive unit under the bus as well. Which again, let's be clear, like it absolutely was their fault. But he was saying like I've never, it was a bizarre play. I've never yeah, seen defensive backs running with he it. He said the same thing about Sheridan's call, and I think you, you said right. you said it earlier, right? That was kind of a strange combination of the the run blitz and the and the man coverage. Which yeah, wasn't even. A, I mean, I guess, but it would get, that was more of an execution issue. But look, when you're the head coach, you're the CEO of the program, and ultimately every issue rolls back to you. I think throwing people under the bus is is honestly kind of a pathetic look and and almost kind of like you're trying to save face here. But I mean, I think we, again, it's been seven years of this, right? Like we, at a certain point, he's the common denominator here. And and no matter who the OC or the DC is, these issues continue to happen. So I've yeah, never seen I, a game like this in my life under, no, under, under, I, under, of course, under Jim is, Reed. So, I mean, focusing <laughs> just on the defense, like I've never seen a, a BC defense play that poorly in all my years watching. And we had some really bad defenses. If you go back to 2016, remember we lost by 50 to everyone we played that was a somewhat good team. I think Virginia Tech beat us 15 to nothing that year. Yep. That defense was not nearly as bad as what we saw uh, no. fr- Friday night. It wasn't even close. I, so I don't know. It's, I don't, it's, I, it's, I, it's game three of Bill Sheridan. I, to me, I don't know why, why you don't give the reins back to Jim Reed immediately, just because we can't have that happen again. If it's happening to Kansas, I, I'm legitimately terrified of what Clemson's going to do to this team. They'll put up 100. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I want to move into our usual segments, Dude Poo, Dude of the Week. Dude, I'll start first. Obviously, there was nothing on the football field positively to talk about. So I'm going to give this one to myself. And I'm going to say, in general, uh, growing up and handling things somewhat more maturely. I had a tweet around New Year's that said something along the lines of, my New Year's resolution is to stop getting so worked up over such a consistently disappointing athletics program. And I was not perfect, but I definitely handled last Friday significantly better than I would in years past. Certain number one is no drunk emails to Martin. That's just absolutely huge. No overly aggressive tweets. Hey, Matt, a couple things I, that I, I thought were very reasonable. I met Martin on Friday. Did you see that? I, yeah, I know. Which, by the way, there might be a curse now. <laughs> we're zero one mean, when like, I meet Martin. We Jarman. have to blame this on something. We are zero and one since fourth and dude met Martin Jarmond. Um, he's a stud. But again, he's an absolute beauty in real life, though. Just, just yeah. Direct. That's again great, but you know, what have you done for me lately? Oh, come on, relax. I'm just, I'm just saying. I think overall, I kept it very level headed. You know, I just. I, I said it was embarrassing. I, I kind of kept myself very calm. I paid the bill. I put my sweatshirt on inside out and I quietly walked home. It's possible that I'm not actually handling things better. I'm just internalizing and bottling it all up. And when we lose to Rutgers on Saturday, I'm going to, I don't know, like what's going to happen. But, you know, for what it's worth, I've, I've, I think that I've handled things better. So credit to me for, again, handling things more maturely. I'm married now. I'm pushing 30 almost, not quite yet. So I think overall there's there's you know, certainly progress there, which is really the only good thing I can take about this. At the end of the day, we can't control what these 18 to 22-year-old kids do. So it's not healthy for us to you know get overly worked up when they disappoint us, which they will do at least once a year. Yeah, that's pretty good, Matt. And I, I think it's that's part of growing up. So I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, that you said that. I think we can all learn a lot from that. Um, Thanks, Matt. Matt, I'm going to use my pood to touch on all the on-the-field issues that I identified watching the film back the other night. Um, I have about three pages of this. I'll try to keep it to less than that. Um, Thank you. So just cut me off when I've gone uh, when I've gone over time here. But t- to me, there's really there's really four main issues that I that I can see based on the game. And and I guess my pood being, you know, Daz said in in the press conference that a lot of this is fixable. I'm not so sure that's the case, Matt. And so I'll give you my four. Two of them are coaching, and then two are personnel-related. We've kind of touched briefly on on a couple of them here. And this is just focused on the defense because, you know, the offense, you know, while they weren't perfect, at least they looked like they somewhat belonged in the same field as those guys. Can't can't say the same about the D. I don't even know if you can say that about the offense, too. I mean, outside of the first two possessions. But I thought I really didn't think the offense was that bad, Matt. It, this was this was uh, uh, this was a performance that I don't think I ever expected to see out of Anthony Brown. I know, but it's it's that. a byproduct of how bad the defense was. I mean, of course, but you get we got a hundred yards in the second half against Kansas. We gave we? up forty eight points to Kansas. Let's focus I on the defense. That. Let's be clear: the defense is 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 problem number one. But let's not let the offense off the hook here. We didn't lose this game forty eight to forty five. Let's focus on one issue at a time here. Okay. All right, so the first issue uh, is the general lack of defensive preparedness uh, in the game plan. It was pretty clear that, that Les Miles saw a lot on film. He identified our, our issues and, and drew up a you know, great game plan. He realized that, hey, you know they don't have a power five level D line outside of Tanner Carafa, so I'm going to spread it out, force the linebackers to the outside. And oh, by the way, this team also stinks at tackling, so I'll let my, I'll let my playmakers do the rest. And then, you know, hey, in the passing game, you know, they're giving us 20-yard cushion. So whenever I get tired of dominating the run game, 
my QB will have all day to throw and just dink and dunk these guys to death. So that's number one is the the lack of defensive game plan. Les Miles completely outcoached us in in that regard. So that's one. Any comments there? No, no. I mean, I think you're I think you're correct. Again, like I said earlier, this was the worst defensive performance I've ever seen on a football field, not just a BC football field. Okay, so that was pregame. Number two, coaching. Halftime adjustments. Uh, again, defensively, we did nothing at <laughs> halftime, it seemed like, uh, on either side of the football. Well, you know, Les obviously did something to force the three and outs in the third quarter that we keep touching on that effectively ended the game. We got shut out of offensively, so we're now averaging 5.6 points in the second half through three games. This is a pretty stark contrast to last year where we actually started slow more often than not and then finally woke up in the second half. You think about uh, NC State, Virginia Tech, Florida State all started slow, but then you know came on strong in the second half here. Uh, number three is there's zero pressure up front, which again, outside of Carafa, not sure that we really have the, the horses to, to fix this. You know, right? This is, to me, might not be a, a right. fixable problem. Right. We felt good against Virginia Tech, where our linebackers, you know, were shooting up the gaps and, and getting coverage or getting uh, getting pressure. But um, you know, it turns out when we play a competent O line, then that pressure goes away. And then, you know, last but not least is the poor tackling. And, and Des he touched on this in his press conference, but you know, it's difficult to simulate tackling in camp because you can't really you don't want to risk injury. I guess the hope would be that you recruit guys that already figured out how to tackle. But, you know, it's, it's an issue with, with youth, I guess, and adapting to the speed of the game, which I think to some degree is, and I'm not, I'm not giving anyone an out, but obviously we have a very young and inexperienced secondary, and these guys had a very hard time adapting to something they hadn't seen before in practice, and then, you know, adapting to how to tackle guys that are athletes. So those, to me, are the four issues, and my poot is that if you're a competent uh, head coach, you're going to see what happened, and it's going to be your blueprint to how to beat this Boston College football team going forward. Yeah, I agree. Uh, was the ambulance that was just going by outside your window, did that happen to be carrying the 2019 Boston College Eagles football season? Because I think we're officially on life support. That's pretty funny, Matt. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I, had, I had about four bullet points of yours to think that one over there, so you gave me plenty of time. <laughs> uh, I'll go for for my pood. It is everything, like you said. There's not a single good thing to take out of this game. Uh, but if I have to boil it down to one thing, I'll take I'll go off the field. The main one is is that this was on a Friday night. So not only is it only, you know, one of the what two games that were on at the time. So everyone in the country notices, but then you have all day Saturday to just stew on the loss while watching other teams not be completely terrible. So just adds to the uh, you know, adds to the embarrassment. If we were to slip this in at like a noon on ESPN 3 on a Saturday, I think you can live with it a little bit more, but if I just see another, you know, tweet or article or Reddit CFB post about the the historicalness of this of this loss, uh, I was going to absolutely lose my mind. So that to me in a in a evening of terrible 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 things, the fact that this was Again, I guess good thing that 50% of the country doesn't get the ACC network. But the fact that the vast majority of the country this was on national TV for and one of the only games on the schedule just really, really, really adds insult to injury here. All right. You ready to get positive? Uh, I guess. That was 27 minutes of negativity. We're officially done. We're moving on. Are we? We're done. I don't know. I might have a couple other things. Here's my dude. Every single team, unless you go undefeated, every single team loses a football game. Isn't that true, Matt? Yeah, but we were going to go 15 and 0. Every good team in particular, not every good team, but a lot of good teams. There's precedent for losing a what the f game. And so I did some research on this. This is my effort to spin zone the loss and try to pretend it's not not as bad as it was. So I'll run through these quickly, Matt, and I'll tell you. This could actually turn out to be the best thing that ever happened to us. Um, okay, so let's, let's hear it. 2000 uh 2007 uh University of Southern California versus Stanford who had gone 1 11 the year the year before. Very similar to, to our situation. They were a 41-point favorite. Uh, USC loses, but they uh, finished 11-2 and won the Rose Bowl, which I think we would take. Okay. 2007, Michigan versus Appalachian State. That's obviously very well known. Michigan goes 9-4. They won the Citrus Bowl. You see a trend here? We're winning big-time bowl games after bad losses. Yeah, interesting. Okay. 2010, Virginia Tech. They lost to James Madison. They then ripped off 11 straight wins to win the ACC. And then Ohio State does this every year. In 2017, they lost by 30 to Iowa. And then last year, they uh, lost to Purdue, also by 30-29. And then they ended up going 13-1 and and won the Big Ten and the Rose Bowl. Urban Meyer said after that one that it was actually a good thing because it exposed all the problems they had and allowed them to fix it when, you know, and and it sort of, uh, it galvanized the team the rest of the year. So 
that's my spin zone on this. This was actually a good thing, and this team's going to figure it out for. for and this, it's not conference match. Who cares? It's it's practically preseason. I agree with you. I agree that it does not matter. I agree that it does not matter in the in the grand scheme if the goal is the conference play. But the reality is that our goal is just to get to eight, nine, ten wins. So it does matter for that. This is like a freebie that we that we completely missed out on. Again, I was saying with people after the game, it would be very BC and very Adazio to you know, lose this game and drop another bad one and then, you know, be sitting on six wins and beat Notre Dame when they're like number two in the country and some shocking upset on the road, you know, to get us to seven wins. It's just kind of like the universe finds a way. If we said, if we said two and one in one of those games was, was against Virginia Tech, I think we'd, we'd take that, right? So just trade Virginia we, Tech We would take two and one. I, I, I mean, yes and no. Yes and no. Again, I'm with you that it exposed a lot of issues, which is not a, always a bad thing, except now opposing teams can game plan against it. And now it's really a question of who's a better game planner, the coaches we're going against or the coaches on our side that can fix our issues. So we, that I think is... We also said that these ga- these games against the cupcakes, the Richmond, Rutgers, uh, or sorry, Richmond, Kansas, Rutgers stretch, it was not going to go according to plan. There was going to be some adversity. We didn't predict adversity. I didn't see a 24-point yeah, loss. To, I mean, not, I didn't see a 48-point swing, but yeah. Not quite to this extent. And as we'll get into, I was way more concerned about Rutgers for a variety of reasons. Um, didn't have that in the budget, but uh, it's over. Again, Matt, we're moving on. It happened. It happens to good teams all the time. We're moving on. All right. So I'm going to keep it going on the dude of the week. This is going to be a joint one for you and I, Matt. So I took an 8 a.m. train to D.C. on Saturday morning to visit my brother's family and his two-year-old nephew, which I, I, I just got to say, you know, I had a great weekend, but I can't recommend a few things as as little as I do as, as leaving for Penn Station at 7 o'clock after a loss like that. But that's neither here nor there. I know you were at a baptism. So due to the week, I'm going combo each of our infant slash toddler nephews. Reason being, I think they were the only people we could have conversations with this weekend that didn't somehow turn back to the fact that BC lost to Kansas. It was literally like a game of six degrees of less miles for the entirety of Saturday and Sunday, except when talking to these two little people who were probably just too young to string together a, a complete sentence. But big shout out to those guys. They say there is no medicine like a child's laughter, Matt. And in this case, there was no medicine like a child who couldn't comprehend or discuss the fact that a receiving votes Boston College team just lost by 24 as home 21 point favorites to a Kansas team that has won road wins since 2010. Yeah, wow. I, yeah, Matt, I hit the trifecta this week and I... I Got up to Boston, played golf in the morning. Shout out to Granite Links, beautiful golf course. I, I, did you see my tweet? The number, the number twenty-two, Flutie. I did, Matt. Good tweet. I think Doug. So he hasn't checked his Twitter in a while. That's why he didn't retweet it. But I think once he does probably. get back on, he, he probably will give the, yep. the, the delay to retweet. So although just, now is that the curse? Is playing a twenty-two on game day? The, like something went wrong. There was point. there was some, there was a failure, and we didn't like I didn't wear a game day polo on Friday. I hate to admit that, but I think that might have played a part. There's an issue somewhere here that we need to kind of just go back kind to what we were doing. Retrace, the first two retrace days. our steps. Yeah. So, exactly. so I did golf course, Kansas football or BC football game, baptism wedding all this weekend. So busy weekend for me, Matt. Uh, but yeah, the, the baptism it was sort of it was a metaphor for this loss being washed out of our. Our sins being washed away. I think that's it's probably a little bit like the Godfather scene when they're doing the baptism, and while they're baptizing the child, they're also showing the monologue of of everyone you know getting shot elsewhere. Spoiler alert! That's kind of violent to in, say in the in the same sentence as a baptism, Matt. It's it's like the most famous scene in movie history. I haven't seen that one. Okay, so <laughs> rent it. Rent uh, it from. Go to your local blockbuster tonight. And, so my my dude, the, recommend my dude of the week, Matt, is CJ. It's Rucker's week, Matt. It's Rucker's week. You have to know the Sopranos, and you have to know the Godfather for Rucker's week. My dude of the week is CJ Lewis. Uh, one of the bright spots of the football game was the Philly special play, uh, run to perfection. It was a perfect toss to, to AB. And I'll tell you what, Matt, I don't know if we have a, a quarterback controversy, but that pass was electric. And I'm glad that we have CJ Lewis, who again, played quarterback in high school, unlike Kobe White, who I think we need to scope out yeah. of that play <laughs> would, going forward. I would agree. It is wild that we only, it feels like we only recruit quarterbacks. Like I talked about it earlier on the defensive side of the ball. Everyone on our team played quarterback in high school, I think. And it was recruited as a quarterback. And then we were just like, hey, you know what? We have 53 of you guys. Let's find some other positions. Lost my train of thought. So let's, let's move this into our next segment here. And Matt, I think is it, is it duty as corpus? It is. All right, let's do it. Let's, uh, let's enter the courtroom here. So for Duteous Corpus, we're going to do a special hearing edition with regards to how 
bad Matt and I are with our predictions. In the, in the, the, the Chancery Court. That's where we're doing this one. Chancery Court. Yep, exactly. Um, in Delaware. The ACC, the ACC is the worst conference in football already, so we're not even putting them on trial. They've already been convicted and just had a horrible weekend. So instead, we are going to talk about Matt and I and our terrible predictions and statements we've made throughout the very short season so far that seem to have already come in and, and bit us. So, Matt, do you want to start? Yeah. We'll just bring up a couple statements and we'll, and we'll rank them from, from felony to misdemeanor to, you know, I don't know, what other, other legal terms De- you want death, to throw in here. I, Matt, I might get the death, De- the death penalty <laughs> yeah, for this I think one. so, too. Hey, Matt, this is quoting me from after the Virginia Tech episode. Hey, Matt, this BC defense did not rebuild. They reloaded. This defense is going to to be my favorite defense in BC history. Yeah, I mean that's like that the jury's deliberating for like 30 seconds on that one and they are handing down a very severe sentence. I don't know. I mean, look, they fooled us. Virginia Tech was supposed to be a great offense and they put up a, a decent performance against them and they were young and they stepped up in the areas and I think that we bought into it. But again, I can't stress it enough. That was the worst performance I've ever seen in my life. So by default, that has to be the worst defense that we've ever seen in our life in, in BC history. So absolutely pathetic there. I was with you, to be honest. I wasn't as far over the edge as you were, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know how, how you can live with yourself at this point. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's turnovers. And I, I also said, and this we don't have to keep, we can keep this one out of the courtroom, but I said, people try to say that, that turnovers are luck and they blatantly are and i said they're not and that's for nerds <laughs> to say that and everyone that said again we already, we already talked about it but the score would have we lost by virginia tech by 30 if those turnovers yep. hadn't happened and we just we pulled the the we, we put our heads in the ground in the sand is that the expression yeah put our heads in the sand exactly okay let's uh let's keep this moving here matt i'm gonna fire back as a rebuttal any of your statements that include anthony brown and heisman in the same sentence yeah and again i you know we've seen like you said earlier jekyll and hyde throughout the course of his career but this was the worst version of the hyde that we've seen so far and it's just really disappointing we know that he has the talent and we know that he has the ability because we've seen it on display a hundred times and we've seen him lead a phenomenal offense a hundred times but for on national television against a pathetic defense really not be able to do anything except outside of like two or three throws and one great touchdown catch it's just incredibly frustrating like this was i think coming into the year and daz said it too he was okay with you know he knew we were going to give up a lot of points on defense but he figured that we had the offensive firepower to win in these shootouts and I've, I bought into that idea as well. And Friday night just completely shot that down to hell. And, and now all of a sudden we need to slog out these wins, um, you know, keep them in the 30s if we even want a chance. Unless, again, he reverts back to the Jekyll version and actually figures this out. So Matt, very, very, very frustrating. And, and yeah, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I'm guilty. So he, he can't hit any throws between, I don't know, six yards and 18 yards? Right. He's amazing long and he's amazing short. It, it doesn't make sense to me. So why don't we just why don't we just throw the long ball? It's kind of the equivalent of shooting three only sh- only shooting threes in basketball. Let's only yep. run the football. We can run screenplays. That's fine. And let's only throw deep to to Zay and Kobe, and then that's our game plan. I think we could actually play a much better game with with just doing that as opposed to you know trying to hit the tight ends and 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 single coverage that are you know fifteen yard posts and and it's it's too bad too because we have such a good offensive line he has all day to throw and I uh, just can't get the timing down so yeah it really is too bad it's just disappointing and I think that does segue nicely into the last one that I'll join or or one of the last ones that I want to collectively put us both on the stand for so one that we will win the ACC I feel like that was more me than you but but you were on board as well and both of us that we will win at least ten games. I don't know how fraudulent I think these both are right now. They certainly don't look good. It may be a little too early to convict, but man, I, I would I would not want to have the evidence that's against us right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a misdemeanor at this point, but we'll see how the next few games go. That can certainly get elevated to to felony status. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I mean, the reality is the season could be over in two games. The only out like, we have the weight game is 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 huge. The only out we have is that the ACC is just so deplorable that we're going to have a better record than than we should. And so we're going to back our way into seven or eight games just by virtue of the ACC sucking so bad. Fair enough. Um, and then, Matt, I think the last one that that you need to answer for this for this crime. Thank God the Red Sox have been eliminated because now the entire city of Boston will have their full undivided attention on the seven and zero Boston College Eagles when we head down to Clemson in late October. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's an electric chair situation. Can I say? Yeah, can just, I say that? That feels. Yeah, it's not too soon. Okay. No, you're fine. Yeah, I, I want to take that back. It'd be better. Uh, if the Red Sox were in so that BC, the city of Boston was now not focused on BC losing to Kansas. And I, I 
don't think our Clemson house is refundable, Matt. Though, correct me if no, I'm wrong. No, it's not. Nope, we're going. We're going. We, so we are going. We might not be going yep. to Notre Dame anymore. I think that was correct. That had been penciled in. That has been erased. Yep. No, I think so. So yeah, overall, Matt, we're in some trouble right now with the law for some very bad statements that are on the record. So yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to say here because I'm sure there's a lot more out there that that we would immediately regret after watching that performance last night. Specifically, the fact that we only talked about Kansas football for like 30 seconds because we said this is we don't need to preview them because it's like we're talking about an, uh, an FCS team. I, here, I felt which we were. I felt like an idiot after that too. It's like, well, we're a football podcast and we didn't bother covering the football part, but that's what we do against again FCS opponents, which is what we Correct. saw Kansas as. And I, I I don't want to say it's too soon to see what they do the rest of the year, but they lost to Coastal Carolina. They can't be that good. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Who knows? They might surprise a couple people. Again, like I said, it's a, it's a less miles Kansas. It's not, you know, the Kansas of the last 10 years. So it may not end up as bad as, as it currently seems. But the reality is that losing by 24 to any low level power five team is is unacceptable. So any other statements that you want to review or are we good to get out while we still have our, our, live, our lives intact? Court is adjourned. All right, let's block that Kansas game out and never talk about it again. Time to move on to Rutgers. Uh, before we get into it, the Rutgers preview is brought to you by our friends at Blue Chew. This is especially relevant this week because I think we all lacked energy and blood flow. Maybe we get a group order to the BC locker room or something like that. Dudes, any of you out there looking to increase your performance on and off the field? Yes. And get that extra confidence you're looking for. Listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. You can take them anytime, day or night, after a tailgate or a mod party, or even at halftime in a game that you're down four points to Kansas. And since they are chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function, again, yes, and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game, as we did for this podcast, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. They're prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no more in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the United States of America, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners and our locker room. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use special promo code ARMCHAIR. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code armchair to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring our Rutgers preview. Let's just get right into it because we do need to actually talk some football this week because that bit us in, in the butt pretty quickly uh, against Kansas. So what do you got quickly for fun facts? Yeah, I don't even have a, a Blue Chew pun to, to give you this week, Matt. That's how dejected I am. But uh, my fun fact for Rutgers, uh, did you know, Matt, that Rutgers and Princeton played the first game of intercollegiate football uh, in 1869, the, f- the first game in, in history. The game took place in present-day college Ave Gymnasium, which now stands in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and Rutgers won the game 6-4. to four. Oh, a little indoor arena football for the first one ever. I, I like that. I don't think they've won since, Matt. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty sure they haven't. You know, when you actually think about it, it is pretty wild that we get to play Rutgers in the 150th season. So that's, I guess, counts for something. My fun fact is, on a, I guess a similar note, they're the eighth oldest college in the United States, founded in 1766, so 10 years older than the U.S., which is, which is pretty cool. Um, and they were originally the Roosters, Matt. Now they're the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, you, Matt... You, I, I have more to say on that, but let's just keep going. Okay. <laughs> we'll take it offline. Well, that, no, uh, now I'll right. say it. Did you know that they changed from the rooster to the Scarlet Knight because people kept calling them chicken? Uh, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, so anyway. All right. It's good reason to good reason to change it. Um, all right. Notable alum, I'll let you go first here. A pretty good list, I'll say that overall. Okay. Uh, David Stern uh, in my one hole. He was obviously the commissioner of the NBA for 30 years. Did you know, Matt, he currently serves as an unofficial advisor to the current Rutgers AD? Interesting. So that's why, I don't know, is there like corruption at Rutgers or anything that we should keep an eye out for? Any frozen envelopes? Well, he did a lot for the NBA. So I think they're 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 thinking that maybe they can do the same for the, the Rutgers program. Fair. Um, with my first overall pick, it's, it's Mr. New Jersey himself. No one other than James Gandolfini. Tony Soprano, I mean, everything he's in, he's amazing. May he rest in peace, by the way. But he is just like the quintessential. When you think New Jersey, I think I feel like you think Tony Soprano. And of course, he's a Rutgers grad. For the third pick, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Tom Amansky. 
No way. For anyone, huh. yeah, for anyone who played baseball growing up or even just had a TV for that matter, we know all about Tom Amansky and his fundamental video. Who was his big MLB? Uh, back to back to back championships. Yeah, exa- uh, exactly. All he did, I think, I think Fred McGriff was a yes, big spokesperson the crime for him, dog. right? Yes, you yeah. It. So Tom Amansky, I mean, he's just he's. I don't know if he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame, but he probably needs to have his own wing. Every fundamental that has ever been taught in the game is is thanks to our friend Tom. So that's a that's a really 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 strong alumnus to have. Yeah, that's one of your best alumni you've ever produced. Um, I will say it's fitting for this week because we do need to focus on the fundamentals of tackling for our upcoming football game. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't go with your girl, Elizabeth Warren. Um, I'll go with her in the four hole. She is Native American. Um, And then the five hole, Matt, we'll go with Carly Lloyd. Um, I'm a big fan of, of Team USA soccer, and she lights it up for the red, white, and blue. And then I have to go to round this out. John Carpenter, the first ever winner of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I still remember watching that episode live. Absolutely electric. He didn't get a single, uh, he didn't have to use a single lifeline throughout his run to a million. Once he got to the million dollar question, he used his phone a friend to call his dad to basically say, Hey, dad, I don't need help with this. I just want to let you know that I'm about to win a million dollars because the winner or the, you know, answer of the question, I think was FDR was the, was the answer we were looking for. Although that could be wrong. It was a president was, was the right answer. But yeah, first ever winner, Regis Philbin, back when game shows really were what, what was, what was hot in the streets in the United States, which was just a great time in, in our history. So, um, that's my sixth. And then for honorable mentions, Matt, of course, they have one astronaut, uh, Terry Hart. Uh, yeah, cool, Matt. I don't have any, so let's keep the this founder moving. of ESPN as well. I figured I figured you would have that. They're the founder of ESPN. I, yeah, I saw that, but I don't think that's right. I thought it was uh, I thought it was someone else. So I didn't I didn't. You're thinking that Chris Berman. You're thinking Chris Berman, but it's Bill Rasmussen. Did you ever watch The Weakest Link? That was a great game show. Yeah, that was again during the whole game show run. It was the weakest link. It was twenty one greed. Uh, who wants to be a millionaire? And there's probably fifteen other ones that I can't think of right now. But yeah, that was like. What a summer. Yeah, I'll tell you what. All right, so let's move it into our next segment here, which is the travel, the first of the season, travel ability rankings. You guys remember from the previous episodes, we'll do tailgate ability for home games, which is out of 30 Bud Lights. And for away games, we'll do out of 30 RVs, but... No, wrong. It's out of five RVs. I think we changed the scale last year to keep it consistent. It's out of 30 RVs. Um, okay, I'm going to give you my answer out of five, but that's okay. Well, can you convert it? Because you're better at math than, than I am. Um, all right, so I'll, I'll kick it off here. So obviously, this isn't your typical you know, road trip. We, we've Our crew has done you know, Raleigh and Charlottesville and um, you know, a few of those. And it's, you, know, you really make a weekend at it. You get, the, you get down there Friday morning. This is a different situation. This is, I think, a, a party train ride is, is the plan. So we're all taking trains from either New York or Philly, wherever we're coming from. And you're literally going to New Jersey. So it's not really a, a destination road trip, I guess. One note I have, Matt, is did you know there's a brew fest beforehand? So it, I don't know if you saw this, but apparently they've done, they've done this before. You pay 50 bucks. And there's like five or six breweries there that, and it, it's no one that's really all that great. But, but anyway, so they announced that there was a brew fest before the game, before they locked in the uh, the game time. So the brew fest is taking place from 9:30 a.m. to 11:30 a.m. because it's obviously a noon kickoff. So it's uh, it could be could be an interesting situation in the parking lot with uh, you know double IPAs at, at 9 a.m. Yeah, that's a little aggressive, especially because it's going to be an 82 degree day. But I don't want to get too much into my score. So can I get what's your what's your RV ranking? Yeah, here? I have 12.7. Okay, that's really that's out of 30. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm the noon kick is terrible. Um, it is going to be a, an Indian summer day, which I do like. So 82 degrees coming off a brutal loss, which obviously takes the air out of this program. If we were three and oh coming into this and riding on the party train or the party bus or wherever you're going to get to this game, like this would be a super fun and awesome road trip, but it'll be a little bit deflated. It will be a big BC contingent, which I do think helps. It's like when we went to army and lost a couple years ago, it was still like 50% BC fans. So overall, I'm going 3.2 out of 5, which I guess would be 18, 19.2, 19.2. So higher than you, but it's not great. Yeah, showing off on the math. I can't check that, but but yeah, so so not, you know, obviously it would have been better if we won and we were, you know, potentially on the road to 4-0, but it will be a fun day for the boys nonetheless. All right, so let's get into the football here. So it, it feels like deja vu because we just touched on how Kansas has had a rough decade. Rutgers has had a similar decade where they... Pretty much, I didn't bother looking this up, but I think they go 2-10 virtually every single season. BC leads the all-time series against these guys 19-6-1, but they've gone 12-0-1 in the last 13 meetings. These guys obviously date back to the Big East days. It's a 7.5-point spread in the Eagles' favor on the road. This is a game, again, that the Eagles should win. It is a must-win. 
and they need to win, which I think is just three different ways of saying the same thing there, Matt. Yeah, it's a complete must win in every single way. I don't know. We talked earlier about the midseason firing. I just, I don't know that it necessarily always answers all the questions, but if you lose this game, I don't understand how he does not get left. Adazio does not get left on the tarmac in, in Newark, honestly, right? Like losing to Kansas and then Rutgers and back to back is in, is in historically terrible stretch if that happens. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, there's a ton of storylines here. One being, you know, we've obviously taken over the state of New Jersey uh, from a recruiting standpoint. So there's a, a rivalry from that standpoint. It's a huge game for, you know, the next, really the, the long term, who, who's going to be kind of be able to say, hey, well, we won this game. You know, if, if we say we beat Rutgers by 30, you know, I, I like our chances to keep getting guys out of that state. BC has 17 guys on the roster that are from Jersey. Um, I think there's three or four people alone that went to AB's high school uh, on the other side. So there's a lot on the line for these guys from that standpoint. Uh, Rutgers head coach Chris Ash is very much on the hot seat. I think uh, Ash and, and Adazio were ranked 9 and 10 respectively on the uh, coach's hot seat list. So, I mean, it literally, this could be, this if reports are true, at least on the Rutgers side, this could be a loser leaves town match where the loser of this game is fired afterwards. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So Rutgers uh, last year had one of the worst offenses, I think, in NCAA history. So to fix that, they brought in a, a grad transfer quarterback, McLean Carter. He was concussed last week against Iowa. So they fell out. So they beat UMass week one uh, pretty handily. And then uh, last week they lost 30 to nothing to Iowa. They didn't even come close to putting points on the board. So again, and I, I hesitate to say this because last time we, we read into the prior opponent, it bit us in the butt. But uh, anytime you score zero points and gain 41 total yards, I think of passing it was between the two quarterbacks. Uh, I like our chance to shut down this guy's uh, these guys' offense. I, I would like to think that you know we, we sort of learned our lesson from last week and uh, we should be able to yeah, absolutely shut these guys down in the passing game and allow the linebackers to focus on stopping the run uh, where they have shown flashes. They've had a couple, uh, you know, somewhat big plays, more so against UMass than, than Iowa. But this is much more a run first team than otherwise. So that's going to be the yeah, that's horrible. That's bad news. It, it, it is and it isn't. I mean, Les Miles put, put together a pretty good integrated offensive game plan, both passing and and running. I think if our guys can focus on one, similar to how we did against Virginia Tech, where we shut down the run, and, you know, we're able to kind of drop back into, into coverage and uh, not give up the big play. That's a better recipe for success than what we saw against Kansas. So I'm not uh, – no, I'm, I'm concerned. I, I, I'm obviously concerned after what we saw last week. But from a matchup standpoint, at least defensively, we match up better with these guys than we do against Kansas. Fair. But, again, right now with the way that I feel about this defense and the – Lack of adjustments that we saw in game. It just really concerns me that with a you know full eight days that we're going to really be able to figure it out. Rutgers again coming off of a bye week, which is never fun. Their coaching staff might not be the best, but I don't think ours is either. So with a full fourteen days to prepare and watching the footage of basically you know the manual of how to rip apart this Boston College defense and you know our offense for that matter. That worries me that they've, you know, they basically have the blueprint of, of, of what they can do. Yeah, you mentioned it otherwise, you know, balanced, but not great. I, I don't know. It just, it's like, it's weird. It's, it's, yeah, they looked horrible against Iowa and they looked really bad for the first half against UMass, but Kansas probably looked worse over their first two games and we saw what happened. So I really, I just, I have, I have no read whatsoever on what to expect out of them on the offensive side of the ball. I will say on our when we have the ball, I do feel confident that our defense will, you know, or our sorry, our offense will figure it out and, and get back to where we looked really in the in the first game. Week two was, you know, FCS. Like we said, you can't really take a lot from it, but I I, I do have confidence that there are enough leaders in that room that will hopefully fire everyone up and get everyone back on the same page and back to playing the, you know, the, the way that we know that we're capable of with an all ACC running back and, or an all American running back, really. And Talent-wise, an all-ACC quarterback, again, like you said, playing in front of all of his friends and family, playing against a bunch of his friends. There is a, a lot on the line. You know, we have 17 guys, I think, on our roster who are who are New Jersey kids. So this is yeah, going to be an emotional game. Th- 36 from uh, New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania, which I think really covers that, that yeah, tri-state. Exactly, right? So the, you know, everyone's families are going to be there. It's going to be an emotional game for, for that, but also I think because you, know, you hope that this team is angry. And it's a, it's a big time put up or shut up game for the Eagles right now. It would be very easy for them to just say, 
man, last Friday was a disaster. Let's just go out there and, you know, see what we can do the rest of the way. Or they actually can turn around and, and, and come out pissed off and, and hit this team in the mouth from the get go. I mean, UMass went up on them 21 nothing in the first quarter. So clearly there is some vulnerability there to do damage quickly if, if we can figure it out. So that's, you know, honestly, my, my biggest hope right now is, is that, look, we are a more talented team than Rutgers. I, I really don't think there's any denying of that, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But, it's a it's a question of you know what can what can we do and uh, you know mentally especially because team is going to show up and and yeah I mean from a from a talent standpoint and we don't we're not great at recruiting right but this is the one area where we've gutted their state we've take we've poached every single good player from the state of New Jersey and they're they're left with the leftovers so these are our our team is vastly more talented across the board than these guys so uh, you, you touched on a couple things uh, they do have one you know big time playmaker. Or potentially a good time, a big time playmaker. Uh, this guy Blackshear, that sort mm-hmm. of he seems like this Percy Harvin esque kind of guy. That uh, Raheem is, Blackshear is a phenomenal running back. Name, yeah, by the way. It, it is. I agree. Where he's you know he's a running back, but he's also very heavily involved in the in the wide receiver game. So he's a guy where if we haven't figured out the tackling issues from last week, and I don't think that you really can in a week. Um, so that's one one concern. But he's a guy that can make people miss. So. Um, something to watch for there. But yeah, offensively, I don't really think that there's a ton we need to fix. I think we just need to play to our strengths, which is our line, which is AJ Dillon and, and David Bailey. And I was joking around earlier, but you know, this should be a 70% run heavy game. And if fans have an issue with that, then you guys are dumb. I mean, yep. this is a team that we should absolutely- We saw it, right? We saw it. We, we are better when we run. We should period. absolutely I mean, bully these guys. And I said it when we played Richmond. You know, the beauty of, and, and this didn't age well, but I said, you know, the beauty of having a guy, a talent like AJ Dillon on your team is that you're never going to lose to inferior opponents. And again, that that was, we should have put we should have brought that to the courtroom too. Huh? Yeah, that's that's borderline a, a felony in its own right. But uh, no, I mean, it, but it's 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 true. I mean, we should be able to, to stick to the BC game plan of wearing these guys down, and as long as our defense can do something productive, anything productive, force force a turnover, get a stop, then you know we can rely on that game plan and, and keep the lead and uh, and continue to wear these guys down. So you know, no matter what happens with with AB, you know, we can stick to our guns, we can stick to that line, stick to Dylan. And uh, I'm hoping Dylan has has an, a, an, another breakout performance. What's lost in all the the BS from last week was he had a really really good game. You know, he racked yeah, if up. We, if we kept going in the second, if we if we had a lead and kept going in the second half, he would have had a, like an all time all time game. Yeah, I mean, he's not having a bad season, but we are waiting for him to explode in in the way that right. that he can. So um, again, heavy die to Dylan. Get Bailey involved in the screen game. I think that's an awesome one two punch. Wear these guys down and do not. Do not do not lose this game. It would become a laughing stock for I don't know the next decade probably. Yeah, this this would be a loss. I mean, last week's already set us back a little bit, but losing back to back these games would I think legitimately set our recruiting momentum and our fans' interest and donations and everything else you want to say back like a solid decade. Um, so this is just an absolute cannot lose under any circumstances whatsoever. Or. I really don't know what what will come of it. Again, like I said, I don't love them coming off of a bye and having a full 14 days to prepare. Though I'll say on the BC side, with how bad of a game plan we put out, it wouldn't shock me if like we were looking ahead to this one. Well, I said so, that, I said that last week too, right? But I didn't really get that sense that we were looking ahead, right? It was more that it just we was were a just, horrible game plan. No, I mean I don't know. Yeah, so maybe the coaches were a little bit, but I, even that, I'm I, right. I, I don't know, man. I mean, and again, you know, I'll say, right, like we, we say as fans, well, it's Rutgers, why are you going to look at the Rutgers? But we talked about it, right? 36 kids have a homecoming game. So maybe there is a little bit of like, uh, look, I'm psyched. Like, I'm looking forward to this. I have a lot of friends and family. Absolutely. Been, I mean, you know, trying to get tickets all week. Again, we're dealing with 18, 22 year old kids yeah. here. Let's not forget that. I was just going to say, like, like played, emotionally, I, I don't blame them. And, for that. and again, it's soccer, so it's not exactly the same, but in high school soccer, like when I played, when I played against other towns that had kids from my club team on it, obviously that was a game that I had circled on my calendar. It's just the way it is. So um, it wouldn't shock me if, if, yeah, part of it was we were looking ahead and I, I said it last week it's you know is, is Kansas a trap game for Rutgers I don't think that's the full answer and I, I, I hope it is and I hope it's not you know we just suck but but anyway so well, we'll find uh, out soon enough we, we sure will Matt so all right so I'll roll it in my prediction I think these guys are pissed I think that last week was an anomaly I have to think that because I don't know I, I, I need to stay positive for, for what else is there to live for if we don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah and 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 I think we honestly might cancel the podcast we, we joked around last week um <laughs> If we lose we to Rutgers, two and two, you, you will I'm not you. you will not hear from us. That's yep. there's just nothing again there. Um, so I, I got the offense being pissed. I got the offense, uh, you know, overcoming the the defense's shortcomings. And I think Rutgers will put up points because I don't think that some of the issues we saw last week are fixable in a week. But I hope those those guys prove me otherwise. So I have forty eight to twenty one 
but I don't feel good about it the whole way. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And actually, while we've been recording this, I've been cl- I've been slowly, like every couple minutes, ticking up my number for the uh, my prediction for Rutgers score because I, again, just talking about how bad the defense was. I think I originally had them only scoring like ten, and I just realized that's absolutely absurd. So uh, I'm with you on the offensive side. I I really do think that they're going to explode and get back to the team that we expected to see at the start of the year. But the defense. I, I just, again, I can't expect really too much out of them right now. Again, we are basically on the exact same page. I'm going BC 45, uh, Rutgers 24. So the exact same margin of victory there, just three points less all the way around. And, you know, again, it's, it's, this is put up or shut up or time right now. It is a complete must win. I do think it will be a little bit uncomfortable. I think that around, you know, halftime, for example, this is going to be miserable from us, from a, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be be terrible, terrible, terrible. It's going to suck. We're going to, we're going to be miserable the entire time until we're up by, I don't know, four plus possessions. If that, if that even happens, if that happens. Right. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's, it's. It's it's wild to say this. If you told me three weeks ago I was going to say this Rutgers game is the is the most important game in the last you know few years, I'd, I'd tell you you're crazy. But this is a, a literal like program restarter if we if we lose on Saturday. So no pressure, I guess. Thanks again to our sponsors, Blue Chew and MyBookie, BlueChew.com, promo code armchair. Again, please, if you're on the football team, I, I recommend looking into that. Uh, and when betting on the birds to pick up the pieces this weekend, head over to MyBookie.ag and use promo code chair. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 4th and Dude. I imagine, Matt, you and I will be together with, with the big group on Saturday, so there'll be a lot of content coming out there. And as always, be sure to keep an eye on our guys at Eagle Insiders BC 24-7. They do not slow down when it comes to their best BC Insider content in the business. And I think they're both Jersey guys as well, so they should have a lot of good Rutgers insight this week. Hope to see everyone in Piscataway on Saturday. We still have about 200 koozies to give away, which after Friday's performance seems like kind of a waste of money, but who knows? Maybe these guys will flip the switch the rest of the way. Um, and I do want to give a shout out to all the listeners we ran into on Friday night at Dewey's. I know it was a terrible evening, but it was great seeing all of you and, and hope to run it back with a better result on Saturday. Thanks again for listening. Matt, I'm postponing the road to Charlotte until further notice, but Friday night is now in the rear view. This felt good to get this all out. And to quote Belichick, we are officially on to Rutgers. The road to Piscataway rolls on. It's a dude alert, folks. Dude